Welcome back, Seahawks fans, to the newest episode of the Seahawks Nest Podcast. I'm your host, Nathan Sano, joined, as always, by the Alfred Borden to my John Cutter. It's Kevin Garber. Kevin, how you doing? Uh, I'm, I'm doing wise. And our very own Robert Angier. That's right. It's Eric Ronnebeck. Eric, did you understand this reference? No. I really, I really thought about it, and then I was like, oh, I should Google this fast. I'm like, no, just tell the truth. It's, uh, it's, it's, it's the shortcut to Nathan's old house, the movie. Um, it's uh, it Nikola it really? Tesla. David Bowie plays Nikola Tesla. Oh right? well, yeah, yeah. And, well, uh, Kevin Kevin already told me it was it was a prestige in the prestige. Say the names again, real quick. <laughs> uh, Robert Angier is the is like the that's the Hugh Jackman character. Yep. Um, wow. Borden is the is yeah. The okay, I remember Christian Borden, Bale. Christian Bale, and, and then, then Cutter. Cutter Michael is Kane. the is Michael Caine. That was I picked that for myself because um, you weren't watching closely. Harry. I wasn't. No, thank you so much. <laughs> um, all right. Anyway, whatever. Uh, I like magic, so I like that movie. Movies so, are really good. Um, okay, so let's start off with the Seahawks. They they made like one of the first splash signings of the off season. They went and got Greg Olson. Oh, wrong splash. All right, Eric. Yeah. As the heart of the Seahawks Nest podcast, the be- red beating heart of the Seahawks Nest podcast. What did that make you feel when they got Greg Olson? Okay, so af- this was after you asked me, you asked the podcast three weeks ago, like, hey, what do you think about signing Greg Olson? We kind of debated it, went uh, back and forth. I like the signing, $7 million, and I think it's what, it's truly $5 million plus incentives? Is yeah, five right? and a half. Uh, I think this is a great deal for that much money. This still ha- We still have a ton of money to play within the cap. We have a tight end, which, which means if Will Disley comes back, we have quite the tight end core. If Will Disley does not come back at full strength, someone in this room is kind of predicting that. Sorry. Uh, we have a decent tight end lineup, and that's uh, if we have Jacob Hollister coming back. So I really like it. The uh, Greg, Greg Olson should be able to, at bare minimum, bridge the gap between Disley getting fully healthy and being ready to go at the start of the season. But more likely provides the Seahawks the flexibility to run two, two tight end formations with two dangerous receiving threats and two guys who can actually block. Which exactly is exactly what... Uh, ROCs wanted to do since we hired him. Correct, and and I mean then he could put Hollister on there in obvious passing downs, and he can go in line or or split out wide. He's very very talented. We saw him catch the ball really well last year. Uh, this is a tight end team that uh you know each guy brings something really good to the table, and Greg Olson's going to be able to build on that. Another thing I like about Greg Olson, he has taken a not insignificant number of career snaps at fullback, which um uh, maybe just maybe. <laughs> We can, we can just fold that position off the roster for good. Um, Pete will so say, why don't we just get two? <laughs> so a lot of people are going to bring up uh, injuries. And in 2017 and 2018, his seasons were wrecked by injuries. But he came back, started 14 out of 14 games in Carolina last year uh, on a team that was going nowhere. So I mean, that he tells still played, you that he was healthy last year. He still year. played, uh, you know, half the games in the two in seventeen and eighteen. Like he wasn't like gone for the whole season, both years or something. But the thing that makes me a little bit more, um, I guess I should say, optimistic as a thirty-five-year-old tight end who's coming off of a couple of injury plague seasons is that his, like, if you read into the numbers, his reception percentage. His yards after catch per reception, his uh, drop percentage. Yeah, he's only dropped. These are all the same in 2019 as they were in that 2014 to 2016 like top end of his career. He's only, he's only dropped four passes in the last four years. He's been Ooh. a team. He's been a team captain for for the last five years for the Carolina Panthers. Uh, five plus years. He's a leader. Uh, he's the first wide or tight end in NFL history with three straight 1,000 yard receiving seasons. This is not um, 
Kind of shocked he chose the Seahawks over the Redskins. Sorry. Well, okay, that's another thing is that I think Greg— He actually wants to win. That Greg Olson, <laughs> it, it shows what he's here for. He probably got offered a lot more guaranteed money to play for Washington than he did to play for the Seattle Seahawks. True. But that's not what was important to him. And that says something to me, that he's coming here, he wants to play, and he wants to win. And I'm into that. This is a guy who averages four yards per catch after the reception and a guy who averages a first down per catch. So an average game for him is probably going to be like four catches for 40 yards. That's nice, solid production to have as a complimentary piece as a pass catching weapon. Yeah, his uh, his blocking has not he has not been a great run blocker the last three years. His run blocking has kind of gone down, but it's easy to get run blocking is a lot about effort. And I'm not going to lie, when your team is winning three to six games a season or in 17 and 18, you're really hurt and you're playing hurt. It becomes a lot harder to, to really buckle down and run block. And when he's fully healthy, he's an excellent run blocker. Uh, you know, not, not in the, you know, Goddard tier of like best tight ends run blocking, but he's a solid run blocker, not someone that we need to worry about in that regard. And he's never been a bad pass blocker at any point in his career. Yes. Yeah. His pro football focus grades are consistently good in the run, in the pass blocking category. The thing I like about this deal is it fits the timeline, right? That you can see the Seahawks, they're trying not to get any guaranteed money wrapped up in anyone past two years from now. And then they're going to make decisions on a bunch of guys. And then that Pete Carroll cliff. And they're going to, and then they're going <laughs> to retool in, in two years. It seems like that seems like the, so th- we need guys that fit the timeline. What this Greg Olson signing, it definitely fits the timeline where we want guys on one or two year deals that we can make, you know, unless we think a guy's a, an absolute bedrock, you know, I, there are certain guys in free agency I would say are worth going after, but this is why we're not going to sign Jadavian Clowney. And it's because we're not going to go five years, tw- 115 million into one dude. It's just not happening. And that's what it's going to take to get Clowney to come back. And so they want guys that fit their timeline. Their timeline right now is, is to get two years and then kind of retool and make sure that we can keep the the top end of the draft picks that we have coming up right now. We can keep Shaquille Griffin. We can keep uh, DK Metcalf. You know, we can keep these guys that we think are really, really good that are, are still coming up. So Yeah, as somebody who I think was the most vocal about not liking the money when it was speculated to be around $6.5 I still stick to the fact that I'm not a huge fan of the dollar amount on the contract, but I understand why we paid for it. It's not that it's an unfair price, it's that I don't know if I wanted to wrap that much money into the tight end position this year, but clearly the team does, and that's what they think is valuable. And I also think that the fact that G.J. Humphrey signed for $15 million a year has me reevaluating whether or not we can actually sign a tackle this offseason yeah, that, because that contract is dumb. Tackles get stupid money in free agency. We've seen this year after year. This is kind of why I was lukewarm on the top end tackle guys and kind of thinking we got to get one of these old dudes. You know, we got we to gotta sneak one of these old dudes onto the roster right at the end of free agency because it's just the top end tackles get crazy money. It's just weird. And even then what happens is the mediocre guys in wave two get crazy jermaine fetty is going to make more than 10 million dollars this offseason no. per year. it's going to happen and nine is too much i'm going to throw up in my mouth when it happens but that's just the way it is is tack when tackles make it to free agency they get paid and the the delta between like dj humphreys and jermaine fetty is not very big and the delta between honestly the delta between in my opinion dj humphreys and jack conklin isn't isn't super huge either these guys are all like like jack conklin's like maybe the 15th best tackle Humphreys is like the 25th and Nefetti's like the 40th and they're all going to get paid like way more than they should. Conklin's going to get paid like he's the second best guy and 
the Humphreys is getting paid like he's the 10th best guy. Like, it's just dumb because once you get to free agency... As just, a tackle, you, you basically ba- get to set the market every yeah, time you back up, the, guy. back up the money truck because here, here it comes, you know? And it just doesn't, it doesn't make total sense to me. And I understand offensive line is a very important position, maybe the most important position, but the Seahawks are going to have to find other ways to get good there. And we already have a good left tackle. We have a couple really strong interior line pro- linemen. And we just need one more dude. And I think that it, it might be easier for us to improve our offensive line by looking inside as opposed to outside for that one guy that can kind of kick us up a notch. I also think that there's a level of... There's a narrative that's aged that everyone hasn't caught on to yet. There's that thing kicking around for a while. Oh, college football isn't producing any good offensive linemen. And that was a narrative for basically the mid-2000s. That's actually started to swing around to where athletic guys that maybe were getting pushed to the defensive line are getting to stay at offensive tackle and are being utilized in a way that is putting them into the pros a little bit more ready for the types of blocking that they need to do as a pro now. So there's this narrative where, oh, you can't trust the ability to draft a quality offensive lineman that was true for a while. But they're still signing these mediocre guys like you can't draft a mediocre guy. And And that's not accurate anymore. The college game and the pro game are getting closer together, not farther apart in the in the in recent times. You know, the the college game is starting to the pro game is moving farther towards the college game and the college game is moving towards the pro game. And they're kind of converging to where these guys aren't as unready unless they play in like a really weird system like the air raid. And we saw that this year with Philadelphia where Dillard came in and he just wasn't quite ready because he was he didn't not, have those weird wide splits right. and the point two point stances the same way and everything. It right. was a lot to adjust. He had to, to he had to adjust. But like unless you play in a wild system like that, your system's not going to be that different than a pro system anymore. And I think like unless you're you know the Dolphins and you're drafting Tua and you have a left handed quarterback, like backing up the money truck to to Conklin's house is a little bit of fool's gold. Unless you have a lot of other stuff going for you, rookie quarterback contract stuff like that, it just doesn't seem like the move that the Seahawks. With a quarterback on his second contract making a lot of money. Actually, third contract, right? Third, third con- Yeah, third contract making a lot of money. It, it becomes a dicier proposition to, to throw tons of money at that. You need to find value elsewhere, whether that's through reclamation projects. You need to find value in veterans that maybe are being undervalued because they're old. Like if Andrew Whitworth makes it to the end of free agency and is available for nine to, nine to $10 million, that's a steal. Even at his age. You just you just go and you say, hey, Andrew, like two years, 20 million, let's do it. And there's no reason you shouldn't do that. That's a that's a great deal. And Jason Peters, the same thing. Like there's these guys that are older that maybe, you know, they aren't. Ex- it's not exciting to sign the old guy. Right? But would you rather be locked into a late 30s guy for one year at under 10 million or a or, or even mid over to 10 late million. 20s <laughs> not good player? Would you rather have Andrew for over 10 million? Would you rather have for Andrew, Andrew Whitworth for one, one year 15 million or be stuck with DJ Humphreys for like five years 15 million? Gross. Right. It's like not even, it's not even close because at least at the end of the day, if Whitworth washes out and he's 39 and it was just, he was just old, too old and that was it, his career was over. And by the way, he says he wants to play again. So he, he's coming back, whether it's, it's in LA or somewhere else. So, you know, if he's washed, he's washed and you can move on. It was a one year experiment. If GJ Humphreys is who we think he is, which is not good, now you're stuck with him. You're stuck with him at a ton of guaranteed money. It's, I don't know. It's and by big. the way, he is who we thought he was and they let him off the hook. Yeah, he's not good. I, so that, I, I just think that 
everyone who I know it's exciting to go out and get the best guy. Like everyone's like, let's go get Yannick Ngakwe. Let the Giants go get Yannick Ngakwe. We don't need to spend Let eighteen and a half million dollars on a limited snaps third down pass rusher. Let let the Giants or the Jets let those teams wrap up all their cap money in free agents because we have seen time and time again in the NFL wrapping your money up in high dollar free agents doesn't work unless you have a rookie quarterback contract. You need to you need to build from within for a lot of your talent, and then you get one or two guys. To put when you're close, right? You just get that one last guy, and I don't think. Or you see- get some of those guys where they're like, maybe that second wave free agent who you think has more in the tank, or is playing like out of, uh, who is playing out of their element, or was being util- misutilized. You know, uh, the Patriots did it with Kyle Van Noy a while back. Uh, the Seahawks did it with uh, Michael Bennett. You look at players where you're going, okay, there's more to this player than what they were getting out of them in the last place we can give them a bit of money and get a lot of production yeah it's gonna be weird seeing greg olson in a seahawks uniform because like it's gonna be good weird it's though. uh it's like it's been a long time and he was cut correct yes from from uh taking that everson griffin route did he just expire yeah i thought he got cut i'm not i'm not sure that's a real question no i think he got cut so then that 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 makes him not count against the compensatory formula too which is a a strong case another strong point in his favor i'm just saying then if we could pick up everson griffin i'm I'm on this plan because minnesota's gonna have to cut half their roster i have because their cap situation (laughs) is garbage i actually have something for that kevin and we'll come we'll circle back to it uh later but i have an uh outside the box plan for the for the minnesota vikings to get under the cap Speaking, so Greg, this will transition us nicely. Greg Olson this weekend, he worked he worked at a, a broadcast this weekend with Kevin Burkhart for the XFL. He called XFL on Fox this week. Uh, I guess that was his like you know tryout, like he was his taste, you know, like they do say I he's want good. do I want to be an announcer? I thought he was good. I watched part I watched wait, part of every XFL game. Wait, this he weekend. was an announcer last year too, right? And so mm-hmm. he he's a uh, he's shown that he's probably going to be a pretty solid color guy, definitely better than Jason Witten. And um, <laughs> look, give him the low bar there, <laughs> low bar. I also just wanted to trash Jason Witten one more time uh, as an announcer. But the the thing for this is is that XFL Dragons seventeen nine the Dragons win. Um, I'm gonna do a little XFL rant. Uh, do you guys want to say anything before I do my rant? Uh, yeah, I'd like to say that this game was bad, but at least it was boring. It, <laughs> I mean, it's football, which is great. I love more football. But it's like watching San Jose State against, like, New Mexico. Yes. Uh, okay, here here we go. You ready? This is part of my take, Kevin, is that the whatever it takes to get Johnny Manziel and Colin oh, Kaepernick. I like Tim, one of those names. Tim Tebow. Oh. I, whatever it takes to get some of these CFL quarterbacks who are good, Jeremiah Masoli. Like, there's, there's guys who are playing in the CFL right now who are infinitely better than the starting quarterbacks except for one. There's one good quarterback in the XFL. That's and it, it, that DC is going to go undefeated because and Cardell they're, Jones they're is, never going to win because Cardell is Jones a is a decent quarterback. He's a yeah. decent quarterback. He's a tier above all these other dudes. And for me, like, do what it takes to get some of these quarterbacks in there. Whether that's like you make a talent sharing program with the CFL and you say like, hey, let's work together, or you have to back up the money truck to to Kaepernick's house or whatever you need to do because the quarterback play in this league is dragging the league down 
to make it it's it, these games are not fun to watch there that game was the one what was the la one where it was three three at halftime yes i was i was agonizing i had that on the background and i was like not paying attention to it at all there's there's some bad <laughs> was, passes into traffic but there's also just wide open receivers being missed in the short field and the, the other the record the, pj walker and jordan tayama were also entertained to watch that's uh houston st louis's quarterbacks there's like entered. if that represents the basement i think that's fine the clear issues are like Brandon Silvers and Matt like McGloin. especially uh, Matt McGloin and Landry Jones. You have two people who those guys are washouts. They're never they're never going to play in the NFL. And exactly. We all know it. We all know they're not good. What you need to do instead is go find like the five ten guy who can run and didn't get a crack at it. So I think the big issue here is that they have washed up coaches who can't be creative offensively. And that is what is stopping them. Like, I really think they should go like and say like, who's the best quarterback in the CFL? Oh, it's Zach Coleros. Okay, let's go get that guy. And who cares if like he's never going to play in the NFL? Maybe, maybe not. He's like 31, but he went to Cincinnati and he was good, right? And he's a two-time Grey Cup champion. Like, let's see what he looks like in an NFL offense instead of a CFL offense. Well, right? there's a couple things we got to think about <laughs> like, here. Let's just see what happens here because there's no way he's not better than Matt McGloin. I'm sorry. No, you're there's right. Just no, effing Matt way. McGloin had a had a nice three game run with the Raiders three years ago. Uh, actually, but the, it was it was like one game because remember he got hurt oh, and then right. they had to, and then they had to put and they had to put <laughs> in Terrell Pryor. No, no, it was um it was Connor Cook. They oh, put that's in, right. That's they right. put in Connor Cook, and then Connor Cook that pl- Cook started that playoff game, and I bet so much money on against Connor Cook. And then uh, and, Jack Del oh, was shortly they, fired afterwards. Uh, you know who would actually be decent in the XFL? Connor Cook. Uh, Connor Cook is a, Connor Cook is in the talent, Connor right? Cook is in the XFL. They need to start him then. No, he's bad. <laughs> how much he's are better getting... than Megoy? I'll give you that. I'll ask you this though: how much are, how much are CFL quarterbacks making? Is it comparable? I don't know, but the, the, they must not let them play in the XFL. Because right, that's the thing. There's is no that you CFL. Can't do, you can't do double contract. Right. No, but at the same time, you also you can't poach a player unless you're going to pay him more. And I love the Kaepernick argument. This would be a great place for him. But he didn't want to play for cheap, and they don't have any money right now. And I also yeah. think that there's probably a little bit of the ownership's uh, bias there. No, uh, I think they would love that because it's really good advertising. Really? Yeah. It's yeah. free money. It's wow. free money. And also, Even from Vince McMahon. Remember, remember, Vince McMahon is the owner of every team. There's not ownerships. There's ownership. Yeah, it's just mm. one guy. That's uh, why we have such a bad. So this coach. is my this is my XFL yes. thought though is that if I, I, it's fun and I will love watching it and I'm gonna go to two at least two games this year. So I mean I'm obviously are we gonna do a podcast game? I'm obviously in on the dragons. Do it on a number of levels. I'm giving them my money and I'm like super in on it. But if they want the league to be healthy in the future and like going into season two, what can you do is you need good quarterback play because good quarterback play makes for visually appealing football. And And this this football is not visually appealing. What they want to do, I would rather see them sign instead of a bunch of Matt McGloin's. I'd rather see you get a bunch of like... Tyrod Taylor's. Thank you. Or even like... Bad Jameis Winston. Robert Griffin III. A guy III. who's going to throw. Robert Griffin III would be great. If you get me a guy who's going to throw 30 touchdowns and 30 interceptions for the XFL, at least that's fun to watch. Yeah. It's horrifyingly frustrating, but go get that guy. That's fun. Maybe next year we see RG3, Colin Kaepernick, Jacoby Brissett, and Derek Carr. No, I don't think we see any of the ones that quality. <laughs> I think instead what they need to do is get a guy, because that's the thing that will be different though this time. They could get a dude fresh out of college who signed a UDFA contract didn't make yeah. a roster, but is ready to go. And I also, again, I think they need to be intentional about getting creative offensive minds. You need to get somebody who's willing to run, yeah. like, more, more June Pep Jones, ha- run and shoot offense. More uh, Pep Hamilton and less less, less Jim, Jim Zorn. Zorn. Yeah. Uh, less uh, washed Rub up Giants guy, Gilbray. 
Yeah, Kevin, Gil- Kevin Gilbert. Kevin Gilbert is coaching like he thinks he's going to get fired next week. It's like, bro, you're in the XFL. That's all like, he's be, ever done. Be aggressive. Who's Tampa Bay's coach? Uh, uh, it's I, your boy from the Chicago Bears. Isn't it Mark Tressman? Tressman, yeah. Tressman's uh, all right. Uh, yeah, I don't Tressman. mind Tressman. I thought you hated Tressman. He lined up for a field goal uh, inside the three. Oh, do you like him in for, the XFL? For the XFL. Okay. Because he's like high comedy. He He's a, he's a creative offensive mind, but he's also an idiot. He's also a horrible play caller. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He's like an offensive mastermind, but also just a moron. Which I think is like really fun to watch. That's the mark of true genius. All right, so we uh, we needed a topic to talk about, and I thought it'd be fun if we tried to predict a little quarterback dominoes. Basically, what happens is uh, every year, well, not every year actually. This year is kind of special. There's like twelve co- plus quarterbacks who could change teams this year, and uh, there's and it, you know it's it's kind of a trickle effect where like one thing is going to affect the other. And the first domino fell today, and we're now going to move from there. So we got a free square, guys. Drew Brees is coming back. One more ride. He wants oh, one more. Official? He wants one more oh, yeah. year, and he's only playing for the Saints. He said. So well, that's that's happening. <laughs> he didn't not, say just one more year, though. He said at least. Where he said at least one more year. Uh, so I would. He like called to it say, his last ride, but you know, you know hmm, how this yeah. thing works. I would like to say I had it listed as the two teams that should be interested in him are New Orleans and Indy, and he should go to New Orleans. Yeah, well, he's going to New Orleans. He's he so he said that's the it. only team he wanted to play for. So <laughs> that's the free square. So, but that starts that starts the dominoes because with him signing in New Orleans and their cap situation, they aren't going to be able to resign Teddy Bridgewater and Taysom. Every Hill. day, Teddy's got to move on. So so now we the dominoes have begun to fall. Let's start with uh, Dak Prescott, though. So Dak Prescott, he is a he's currently a free uh, free agent. He's going to he has a you know probably going back to the Cowboys. Eric, do you think he he ends up staying with the Cowboys, or do you think something else happens there? I think he's got to be with the Cowboys because in a league that's so hard to find a quarterback, you need to retain said quarterback, even if there's a few question marks. I have a fun landing spot if he weren't going to be with the Cowboys. All right, go ahead. How cool would it be to see Dak Prescott in Indianapolis? Okay. I think that would be a really great match for him. I think that that could bring that that franchise to the next level, especially in that division that is always up in the air. Um, I think it's a I think it's a really cool move. I I don't see it happening, but that was like my dream scenario. I kind of have some some dream scenarios for said quarterbacks. All right. Uh, Kevin, where'd, so, you, where'd you put Dak Prescott? I had Indy, but my concern with Indy is that he Ooh. wants them to back up the Brinks truck. And I think Indy's too smart for that because Dak Prescott is not... Indy is more valuable to Dak than Dak is to Indy. I think that they would rather end up spending... I think they would rather end up getting an older guy and then bringing in an heir apparent. So you're going back so to the Cowboys? So I am saying back to the Cowboys. All right. Well, in my uh, dominoes... Uh, New England's the other team I had for Dak him. Prescott, so Dak Prescott landed, for me, on the Carolina Panthers. And I, I think that this is an interesting fit. Gross. From like a... Uh, <laughs> like a plank. I like the idea of Dak Prescott and K- Christian McCaffrey on the same team. I think that would be really fun. Except Those guys Dak are really Prescott good. has shown that he needs quality receivers and O line in order to hey, be effective. Yeah. Are you not That's a, what they don't have. You are not a DJ. You're not a DJ Moore, Carter Samuels cool. fan. One one they, receiver, one and a half receiver. They have good receivers. I I thought Carolina receivers look pretty good because Kyle Allen. Was, remember, people thought Kyle Allen was the truth for like two and a half, three games. Oh and man, I think bad. this take is the lie. Uh, so <laughs> I'm I'm into I'm into Dak Prescott on the Panthers. Here we go. All right, Tom Thomas one Tom. Tom, don't call me Thomas. Tom Brady. Eric. 
Tim, Tom. How can I? How Tim can I chop that Jam. intro? Uh, Eric, where you got Tom Brady headed? Is he heading back to New England, or do you got him moving on to other to other teams? And I'm just gonna tell you guys, I kind of went like I went like a lot of changes. You get ready, okay? <laughs> uh, honestly, I, I'd say right now it's flip a coin, so I'm gonna go with uh, an exotic location because right. Tam- uh, Tampa Bay. Damn it, <laughs> Tom Brady is wanting a lot of money, and the Patriots don't seem to want to play him. They don't really have a plan, but at the same time, if you got a 42 or 44 year old quarterback. What really is your plan, even if it's Tom Brady? When it's really Bill Belichick, I don't see him going to San Diego like it's being advertised. Well, that's because San Diego doesn't have a football team. Oh. <laughs> you, but you you had that locked and loaded. Uh, since I already picked the Cowboys, and I don't want to see him go to the Cowboys. Oh, go back is, to Patriots. That's the... I, no, I don't want to go, go Patriots. Like the, the easy one. You know what? Honestly, I think it'd be fun to see him in Dallas just because he wouldn't win so, very much. So wait. Bring him to the NFC. Wait, then you're moving Dak Prescott. Where's he going now? I don't care. The dominoes are falling, Eric. Uh, you do I really have change. to keep it? I have to oh, keep yeah, it, don't you, I? You do. You have to change Dak Prescott now because you Colts. can't. They're not going to have Dak Prescott Colts. and Tom Brady. Colts. Right, Colts. Here we go. It's happening. Eric now has Dak Fine. on the Colts. You got it. Kevin, where do you have Tom Brady going? Good luck uh, with this, I have Kevin. Tom Brady going back to New England. Yeah, I think it's most. I re- think it's the most likely thing. He wants to go to a team that's going to win now. He wants to go to a team that's a well-run franchise. And most of the teams that fit that don't want him. Here's the thing for me and Tom Brady, okay? Is that... The other one being uh, uh, Las Vegas. Yeah, I was going to say, realistically, it's Patriots. But I want to see him want the look on his face as he tries to murder John Gruden in week five. Because John Gruden is such an <laughs> oh, idiot. Yeah, Las Vegas too? So I actually did put Whoa. the Raiders wow. as my team. I, it's it's more of a meme pick. I'll be honest. The most likely scenario is Tom Brady goes back to the Patriots. But I, meme, if he though. does leave... I think that this is the most likely spot that he would leave to. Now we're on to Philip Rivers. Can't say he's going back. Philip Rivers is not going back to LA. Ain't so, happening. So uh, what? What do you got, Eric? What do you got for Phil Rivers? This is a no a no brainer. Everyone says he's going to the Colts, and how what a great fit it is. Philip Rivers, welcome to Tampa Bay. All right, I, I actually think that's a, that's a fair pick. There. I think it's I think it's just crazy enough for Arians to do and get away with. Yeah, Kevin. Um, so uh, I'd like to just point out at this point, Eric does sit in view of my computer. Um, <laughs> Philip Rivers, uh, <laughs> semi washed up California quarterback, going to a Bruce Arian system and having late career success. We've seen this story before. Tampa Bay Yuccaneers. I, I picked the Colts. Even though he can't push it deep anymore, I think that he'll have a resurrection. I was very tempted to put Panthers, to be honest with you, uh, but but uh, I already used Panthers for Dak Prescott. So I'm going to go Colts. Colts is the like the layup pick here. Uh, Tannehill is another quarterback that could be on the move. Uh, Eric? <sighs> Titans. Yeah. Stay where you're. Stay where you're good. Don't, pretty easy don't for reach. them. Pretty easy for them to use the franchise. Yeah, they're just going to franchise him so that they can get another year out of him. I like how I wrote Tampa Bay for Buccaneers because I don't know how to spell Buccaneers. Just put Bucks. Is it is it two C's, <laughs> two N's, C-S. both? Hey Eric, where are your Buccaneers? Bucks, Bucks, Bucks. Uh, they're near on my feet. on your bucking head. Okay. Uh. Oh jeez. Boo. <laughs> he is a dad, ladies and gentlemen. He is a dad. That one was for Chris. Okay, Jameis, thirty for thirty. Jameis Winston. Uh, what if I told you <laughs> there was a quarterback? Who got LASIK eye surgery this offseason? Uh, I, I love this. You gotta you gotta go in deep on this one. Okay, Eric, where do you got where do you got Jameis going? You know, it's it's funny that you already said this team because I was like, no, there's only one there's only one team in Las Vegas that can only have one quarterback. 
with with 2020 vision, and that is Big Jameis going to the Raiders. The truest gambler of them all. Yes, thank you. Uh, Jameis Winston. Everyone in this scenario is a gambler. You know what bad franchises do? They try and replace a problem with the exact opposite problem. Couldn't push it deep last year. That was the big knock. So the Los Angeles... Chargers, Ooh. picking up Jameis Winston to air that ball deep. All right, my uh, <laughs> I can't, I can barely do this. Uh, ready for this? If you uh, say New England, I'm I have shenanigans. I have a team, <laughs> but this is my you dream, Kevin. I can't do it. I'm not doing Patriots. It, it would be so funny though, because can you imagine the Bill Belichick just the would first time snap his neck the, game one. the first time he throws it to a, like a linebacker that it's just right there and he's he's just gonna be like what, what the fuck are you looking at like what, he, what no that? he would just make Jameis go sit on the other sideline for the no. rest of the game as fun as it would be to pick Patriots and I did pick Raiders for basically the same exact reason I'm not gonna take Patriots here there's a team that is in cap hell that I think would rather get out of cap jail than and roll the dice on a quarterback than then keep their current quarterback and that's a that's the minnesota vikings and so my prediction here is that they trade Kirk cousins and then they use the extra cap room to to pick up one of these guys and why not Jameis? i mean if if you're gonna if you're gonna go for a you know go for broke if you're gonna roll the dice because if Jameis can fix his turnover problems he's literally one of the five best quarterbacks in the league immediately but his hands are tiny and he can't read a defense, so it's probably not going to happen. I'm not in on Crab Lake McGregor. But that th- this is the kind of guy that I think the Vikings could could use. They could leverage Kirk Cousins, get rid of him, and mm. put Kirk Cousins, and then get a guy like Jameis Winston. And, you know, Jameis Winston's not going to make a ton of money next year. He's going to get a moderate contract, especially for a quarterback that has, you know, really high, high ceiling. So that's my prediction is that Jameis goes to the Vikings. I'll skip right down to Kirk Cousins, uh, even though he's on the bottom of the spreadsheet. I have Kirk Cousins on the Chargers. And I know you guys are both just going to have him on the Vikings. But the Chargers have um, terrible ownership that really wants skip to win all the way right down. now. The Vikings don't. The Vikings need to clear cap room. They're desperate. This is an easy way for them to clear $20 million. They don't have to deal with the will Kirk Cousins come back next year question all offseason. So I put Kirk Cousins on, on the Chargers. Uh, you guys both just have Vikings, right? That wasn't a consideration. Well, I do. I did not have him off of the Vikings, so yeah. Yeah, he's, I just, he's I, not on my spread list. I assume that I was the only person who like had that dominoes going that deep. Uh, okay, let's go back to uh, Teddy Bridgewater. All right, do you uh, want to do no. Mariota first? Do you want to do Marcus Mariota? Do you want to do Mariota first? Yeah. Okay. All right, Marcus Mariota. I think Marcus Mariota will be uh, the backup quarterback for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Uh, just, they will, I think they're going to take like a two shots approach to, to fixing their problems. And so this is one of those, those shots. Uh, where do you have Marcus going? So I think there's a cluster of quarterbacks. I think makes sense either kind of rebuilding their value, backing up Kansas city, going to Pittsburgh to catch the, the leavings when Ben inevitably dies. He's not throwing a ball yet either. So the Steelers are going to need a quarterback, but I have, I actually have a guy farther down here going to the Steelers. Uh, Raiders are going to pick up somebody, but I have Mariota out of the cluster of quarterbacks going to the Chicago Bears, where he can Ryan Tannehill, Ooh. Mitchell Trubisky. Mm, nice, er- Eric. Uh, I had him going one of two places, both as a backup. 
uh, either staying in New England as a, hey, is this going to shake out, or going to the Steelers in a, hey, is this going to shake out? Uh, if you really want to pick one, since I don't have another name going to the Patriots on this list, go ahead and put them on the Patriots. Okay. Uh, and you had Brady on the Cowboys, so this you is, made this me put him on the Cowboys. So well, that you, is you, that is sealing it. It's fun. It's you, fun. So now you have there. Uh, you're probably going to do something like I'm doing with the Patriots. Okay, Teddy Bridgewater, Teddy Throwsavelt. Um, he's yeah, he was really good last year at filling in. Um, but he can't throw super far. Uh, so I put him on a team where they don't care if you throw super far, and that's the New England Patriots. Uh, they, they have no, they, the offense doesn't work super far downfield anyway. They control the ball really well. I think it's a good fit. I also have the Patriots picking up his counterpart in New Orleans, Taysom Hill, and uh, turning it into like a full-on competition wow. thing here. So I did a, I did like a, like a thing with the Patriots where I think that they're going to pick up a couple guys and kind of let it work out that way. Um, I could see them picking up Josh Rosen uh, and trying putting him behind Bridgewater and or putting him behind Taysom Hill as like a kind of a safety net kind of thing or a development project. There's a lot of different directions I could take that, but I ended up going just Bridgewater and Hill to the Pats. Uh, Kevin, where'd you put Bridgewater? Uh, I have Bridgewater also going to New England, but I have him going there to be the uh, one-year heir apparent to Tom Brady, learning how to do that quick strike offense. Mm-hmm. And I've heard the Patriots love Taysom Hill. That's part of the reason I I went this direction. Is I that... think Taysom Hill stays in New Orleans. I think the Saints have a plan for him. Okay, Eric. Yeah, you I got been... for Bridgewater, and, uh, and you got New Orleans for uh, for Hill. I'll just put that down now. Uh-huh. You can put me at Saints for Taysom Hill too. Um, I have a I have a funny fun place for Teddy Bridgewater. I don't know if this is ever going to happen because I think they already kind of they have a coin flip of quarterbacks. But put them under the Jags. Oh, yeah, there you go. I think that would be the smartest move the Jaguars can make. I think he'd fit in there fine for at least a couple of years while they figure out what they want to do. Speaking of smart moves, Eric, where's Andy Dalton heading? Well, if we're going smart moves and Andy Dalton, it's not really smart for anyone, but it's probably the most Andy Dalton thing that can be done, and he's going home to the Chargers. Oh, is that where he's from? No, no. he's from Texas. Yeah. But he is the most Philip Rivers quarterback in all these quarterbacks, and so home. You don't make sense with that statement. Classic San Diego. That was a uh, San Diego. I said classic San Diego. I'm not. I'm not moving off this hill. San Diego Superchargers. <laughs> it's two hours away from L.A. If Anaheim can have a baseball team, get off me. Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim, correct? Of Los Angeles of San Diego. Chargers. Kevin, where'd you put? Where'd you put Dalton? So I have Dalton along with Mariota in that Chicago, Pittsburgh, Kansas City, Oakland mix. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think he'll get traded in division to Pittsburgh. I don't think Chicago has enough draft assets to pick him up. So your starting quarterback for Raiders <laughs> is Andy Dalton. Andrew, Andrew Dalton, huh? I think Andy Dalton is heading to the Bears. Uh, and I just, it's a it's a low-cost pick for them. They can still pretend like they like Trubisky. So but, same logic I used for Mariota, but my counter to that is, uh, so you think that so then you think that Andy Dalton's getting cut? Uh, it's a nice safe floor. I mean, what what would the Bears have to give up to get? What do you have to give up at this point to get Andy Dalton? Well, the Bears have literally no draft picks. They have they have draft picks, but it's, I don't think you have to give up very much to get Dalton. Like conditional seventh, it's like you take the salary you can have him at this point. 
Well, I have good news for you because the cap situation is bad too. <laughs> yeah, it's bad. I understand that. But but they, they, they have room because of the rookie quarterback contract. I think they can fit him in. He's not making that much crazy money. All right, Cam Newton. So since I, I put Dak Prescott on the Panthers. I bet you can guess who I have as quarterback for the Cowboys. It's Cam Newton. It's Trubisky. Oh. Uh, so I, I think there's a chance here Cam Newton is really good. I want to pair up a quarterback with Mike McCarthy, who I, I think is really talented, but maybe a bit of a, a reclamation project. I also have Josh Rosen heading to the Cowboys as like a safety net backup uh, break in case of glass. Here's a, something we can try. But Cam Newton, if healthy, is a really, really talented quarterback. And if his medicals look good, I could see him moving in this offseason. Uh, and the Panthers moving moving on because the Panthers aren't are treading water. They're not going anywhere right now. And even with Cam, it's they need to they want to get young. It's a new coach, right? They want to get young and get a young quarterback in there. So I'm I'm having them get younger with Dak and the Cowboys picking up Cam. All right, where do you got Cam going, gentlemen? You want me to go? Yeah, I'm waiting for this. Well, I would you love Cam? So. If there's, <laughs> he has a Cam retiring in disgrace. Okay, so as much as I love Cam, as much as I love this general manager who is going to jump at the chance to get a quarterback that can do it all five years ago, John Elway is going to go crazy <laughs> and jump on Cam Newton. Welcome to the Broncos, Cam. I, f- I feel like they feel like they got their guy with Drew Locke, but that is a, that is something that could happen. That is something that John Elway will panic and do. All right, Kevin? I think that this is a great time to buy low on a guy with a lot of assets, and there's a smart team out there that sees him as their quarterback of the present while they can still build up because they thought they had their guy. They thought they had a dude that would lead the roster they built around him, and that person up and quit out of nowhere. Cam Newton to the Colts. Yeah, I like this move, Kevin. I saw that you didn't have Colts left, and I was like, is Kevin going to go Colts? I think Bears and Colts make a lot of sense for Cam Mm -hmm. Newton. Colts are indoors. Doesn't have to worry about the cold quite so much. Hmm. That shoulder, I think it makes a lot of sense. I think he'd be very successful there. Uh, Derek Carr. We all replaced him on the Raiders. Do we think uh, Kevin or Eric went with Jameis? Uh, Kevin went with Dalton, and I went with Brady. So where do we have Derek Carr heading? Where do you got? What do you got, Eric? I got him in Chicago. Okay, it's a nice buy low. Uh, let's hope this guy can do better than yeah, this cardboard you can challenge standout. Tra- we challenge have. Trubisky. Yeah, Kevin. Um, I have. Uh, this is how. Uh, this is how Dalton ends up on the Raiders. They're swapping quarterbacks. Oh, I <laughs> have. Uh, I have Derek Carr in a backup uh, role, <laughs> holding the leash for uh, for Joe Burrow. Okay, right, you ready for this, you guys? Uh, Derek, Derek Carr, the Dolphins don't end up getting Tua Tagliavoa, and Derek Carr heads to Miami to be the quarterback for the Dolphins. I thought baby. for sure he was going to type in Dragons. <laughs> uh, that's actually where I have Case Keenum going. Uh, all right, and then the last guy I wrote down was Josh Rosen, just a guy that I think's an interesting like reclamation project slash backup guy. I put him on as the backup for the Cowboys. Do you guys have an interesting landing spot for Rosen, the chosen one? I think he's going to just stay in Miami and <laughs> rot. <laughs> Yeah, I, I don't. I feel like Josh Rosen's career is ruined. Maybe he was never going to be good, but he's he's done. So, what's a team with an old quarterback, no early draft pick, uh, Patriots, and where are where no Rivers going? Plan to be able to do much of anything about it, Patriots. The Saints. Pittsburgh Steelers. Steelers. Okay. Oh, yeah, None just, of us pick Steelers. He here. will. Uh, he will get destroyed there. Uh, he will be the backup. 
But if you look at their two backups, they found out they have zero backups. I really think the Steelers are going to go for someone like Robert Griffin the third, or, or like one backups. of the like established backups, Tyrod Taylor. It's actually Tyrod, but I just <laughs> no, wanted it's to Tyrod. <laughs> but I just love that news story where they, they call him Tyrod. One of the established backups is going to end up in in, in Jeff Driscoll. No. AJ McCarron. Uh, I do not like Jeff Driscoll. I do not like AJ McCarron. Uh, uh, Go back. Mike Glennon. No, try again. <laughs> Sam Bradford. You know, I have some uh, news that uh, try again. <laughs> that maybe Drew Lock will be available. Yeah, exactly. Drew Matt McGloin. <laughs> no, not Matt McGloin. Uh, okay. So, does any uh, any final comments before we uh, we we can this segment? And it was probably like actually Case Keenum probably would make. This sense. is this is yeah, really Case fun. Case Keenum though. would make perfect sense. This is uh, super fun. And honestly, as of a, all these, there is one of these will be completely correct, and one of them is one of our shocks. Meaning, yeah, you could see Jameis in Vegas. You could see Cam on the Colts. You could see Tom Brady elsewhere. And the thing I think that's interesting about the thought exercise like this is even though I know that the stuff that I said is not going to happen, right? Like I'm like 99% sure that this is not how it's actually going to play out. All of these moves will impact each other. And it, and it will be a, a domino effect where one team will do something. Uh, Dak Prescott's not coming back to the Cowboys. That's going to instantly have an effect on all the other teams, right? Because now Dak Prescott's going to the Colts or the or the Raiders or the Panthers, or the Patriots. You know, he's going to a different team. And yeah. now all of a sudden, boom, things just are going to start happening. And all these guys are going to change teams. Well, and even if it's pretty chalky, even if Breeze goes back, Prescott goes back, Brady goes back, the fact that you have Rivers like, Rivers is going to start a chain reaction. Rivers is going to start the chain reaction or um you know And there's a good and there's a there's another good Pittsburgh guy Kevin right there is uh Brissett. Yeah, that's not wrong. Yeah, so there's yeah, that's the kind of guy they need to go for though because they got money wrapped up in Ben. They need someone really cheap that that not not an expensive. Josh Rosen. Josh Rosen is a good choice. I I he is going to get like Eric said he will get murdered. Uh, except he won't probably have to play until Pretty late in the season when Ben dies, or at the beginning of the season when Ben has, still isn't throwing a football. That's true, but like that's at least a team that knows how to protect a quarterback. Yeah, and Duck Ho- they made Duck Hodges like not horrible. Yeah, so yeah, I mean this, that would be his chance. And from a Rosen perspective, that's an ideal situation. Yeah. You're given a chance to build some level of value in a functioning NFL franchise. All right. Well, if you have any ideas uh, for what we should do for quarterback, uh, quarterback dominoes, uh, if you're thinking our dominoes are ridiculous, my Vikings trade is probably the the most out there thing on there. Now, now if Cousins gets traded, I will feel like a genius. It will be the greatest <laughs> like call, called shot because there's no signs that that's going to happen. I'm literally just calling that out of like way left field. He's hearing from sources, folks. No, that <laughs> no, I am not. All right, so let's get into the money zona. If uh, you want to support the CX Nest podcast, there are many ways to do so. The best way, head over to patreon.com slash Seahawks Nest. And for as little as $1.24 a month, you can get in the group chat. You can hear our uh, our podca- our bonus podcasts during the regular season. You can see Brett's dog. You can see pictures of Brett's dog, yes. Uh, for our th- thanks to our new February page. <laughs> yeah, Eric, Eric with the right reaction there. Lewis, Alex, thank you for joining the team. Uh, you guys came in in February, and thanks to our longtime patrons, Jack, James, Tom, Lucas, Carrie, Richard, Bob, Karen, Brett, Mike, Floctimus, Keith, Michelle, Brian, Frank, and Nick. You guys are all bringing it, helping us out, keeps the podcast uh, going, lets us keep making content, and hopefully get a new soundboard soon. I'm very yeah. excited about that. We blah, are, blah, blah, blah. I'm hoping to get one at least by the time the next <laughs> season starts. How about that? That's a nice uh, yes, long-term Yes, please. Goal. So, uh, movie club. 
okay, we wanted to, we all kind of saw independently a bunch of like tenant hype stuff and it got us all talking about uh, Christopher Nolan. And I thought, well, it'd be great if we just talked about Christopher Nolan on the podcast. Uh, so Christopher Nolan is a director of movie films. You may have heard of some of his movies. <laughs> you may have seen them on the television. Uh, his most famous movies are probably his, his Batman trilogy. Hi, I'm Christopher Nolan. You may remember me from such educational films as <laughs> The uh, Prestige and Dunkirk. So, right. Keep the intro, buddy. Exactly. You did it. <laughs> so, I like how I'm on this thing, and it's like Christopher Nolan as an actor. Like That's a thing. Okay, so we have uh, The Prestige. We've got Dunkirk, Interstellar, Inception, The Dark Knight Trilogy, Memento, Insomnia, some other movie, some other uh, older movies that nobody has seen. He's British. His movies are very popular. So we're going to – okay, here's the thing. I've seen most of these movies. Uh, Christopher Nolan is a lot like Quentin Tarantino. Um, in that he's like 90% of first year film school students' favorite director. Yeah, I love his movies. I think they're really good. My problem with them, and this is kind of why the conversation I wanted to have is that I feel like they're movies that make you, that make you, um, they make want, they want to seem like they're really smart, but they're really not as smart as they purport to be. They're like, it's like if you really, they're not, they're good. They're this really came good movies. Up, uh, Eric had a really good take in the car on the way over. If you'd like to go ahead and... Uh, some really good takes. We happen to be talking about Bong Joon-ho and uh, some other good movies that he's been seeing and quality directors. And I used it as a chance to do Lambay's Joker again. And Eric had a statement about uh, a technique Christopher Nolan uses. So every, every director has something they do really well. And every director takes a shortcut in a certain way. <clears throat> and what Christopher Nolan likes to do is... The way he will do exposition in a movie or explain something out of the way so you don't ask it later is he will bring it up directly in a conversation early in the movie. So in uh, The Dark Knight, it, right as the uh, thugs are entering the bank, they're like, who's this Joker guy? And one guy just flashes to him and he's like, yeah, you know, he wears war paint to, to intimidate people. That immediately sets up the Joker for the movie. You know who he is. Before you even see him, it kind of gets the nerds out of the way. Like, oh, is he? Is he gonna have perma perma skin, like this white, uh, you know, chemical skin? No, he's just a guy who puts on face paint. In the Dark Knight Rises, uh, they tackle this issue of Jim Gordon possibly losing his job and the tension there with, oh, he was a hero during wartime, but it's peacetime now. They're gonna sack him in the fall. It's just this quick, and that's exactly how the lines delivered. It's a quick one-off thing that Christopher Nolan does. Uh, I don't really think Christopher Nolan's a bad director. I really like his movies. Yeah, I think he's a great director. It's just he has some. It's, it's. I think going back to your point though is like like Tarantino. He's every twenty year old's favorite director. He's a director of of films now, and these are very popular films. Whereas Bong Joon Ho has some really great films, but kids kids don't really care about the Bong Joon Ho. Kevin, I don't know. Kids love the Bong. That's a different thing. Um, is it though? Okay, I I really enjoy his films. I, they're universally good. What's your guys' favorite Christopher Nolan movie? The Prestige. Mine is, mine is Inception. There's... Go ahead and you talk about... Let me just talk about Inception, and you talk about The Prestige, why you like it. So Inception, the reason I like it so much is because it's a heist movie, but they made it into a sci-fi movie, which is a really cool thing to do. So that's two things you like. And those... So then it's like, hey, you combine like two of my favorite things in a way that actually makes sense and is awesome. 
the but it's also like it's about like a guy who's like can't escape his past and at the end of the movie like a lot of people get got mad like when the top was spinning at the end and they're like did it fall down or not and it's like the the thing I like about that particular scene is that like he just accepted that reality didn't care anymore and he had finally like he'd finally escaped from all the things that had happened before that right like all the 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 past that he had he had he had finally kind of escaped that and it didn't matter if he was in base reality or not anymore he had just he had accepted what had happened and I don't know I think that that's like a, a really cool ending to a movie and like a really neat way to wrap up that particular story. And the acting's really good and the visuals are amazing and how Hans Zimmer's score slaps in that movie. So yes, like it does. there's so many things I like about that movie. Um, I, I'm like a really hard grader. So I have like a four as a four out of five, but I love that movie. It's really good. Um, I probably should raise it to like a four and a half or something. Um, but yeah, that's that's my that's my favorite Christopher Nolan movie. Uh, Kevin, what do you love about The Prestige? Uh, so The Prestige has the benefit of being uh, first of all, it's a um, movie about like vaudeville era magic, which I think is a really awesome concept that does not get explored very much. Uh, the cast is excellent: Christian Bale, Hugh Jackman, Michael Caine, Scarlett Johansson, Rebecca Hall, David Bowie, Andy Serkis is in there. Like. The bit players are all really good. I think that's a strength that good directors have. And Christopher Nolan is a good director. His bit parts, he assigns to people that make the part a a little better than it needs to be. And that's something you can say about a lot of good directors. uh, Scorsese, Cohen, Brothers, all that stuff. Um, The other thing that I like about this is the theme behind the movie about like obsession and one-upsmanship when you no longer are looking to be the best you can be, but you're looking to by any means necessary, be better than someone else. Um, Revenge to the point of like self-destruction. It has kind of this science fiction twist on it that works within the world that they've created the whole thing is interesting and keeps you spinning it the movie obeys the rules of magic in the way that they have like the reveal and you find out that the whole movie not, was actually given away really early not on. not the reveal the prestige right yes <laughs> uh, the but- movie's given away early on and then you're led back to the conclusion that you could have made earlier. What I really like about that movie though, is it's a movie about like obsession, right? Like there's like this deep obsession that the, that Hugh Jackman has with figuring out what's going on and he can't let it go. And that obsession drives him to like absurd lengths. Right. And it's like just this deep, like study on just being obsessed and like, like, and then the twist and then the twist back. is so gratifying like uh the reveal for christian bale's character and then to see the lengths gone to to replicate on the part of hugh jackman's character Mm -hmm. is like at the same time both fascinating and devastating Mm -hmm. yep i i I, proceed a super good movie i love it so now let's go to eric with the movie that should be everyone's choice but we left it for eric (laughs) yeah we left this movie for eric because we knew we were gonna pick it you know uh you know i was talking about dark knight the dark knight is the one of the best opens of movies yes it's uh it's heisty which is always there for kevin a quick note on christopher nolan uh he kind of began 
his reign as like king of the sci-fi movie without you thinking he's the king of the sci-fi movie when he took Batman over. Because Batman Begins is a it's a crime movie, it's a superhero movie. You can call that science fiction. From Batman Begins, he then worked into Prestige, which is ta-da, science fiction, twist at the end. Dark Knight, Inception is uh of course, science fiction. Dark Knight Rises, finishing Batman. Interstellar, science fiction. Dunkirk, not science fiction. But then he returns to it with Tenet. But Dunkirk is like an intense movie. Yes, but Holy it's also smokes. he... What a he, masterpiece. He like, said that that movie, movie he, it meant a lot to him. I think he wanted to tell the story no one was going to tell. Um, yeah, that movie's really good. Making that's also the tight. only movie on this list of movies he's made outside of the documentary short films that I have not seen. Uh, the Dark Knight, though, if... People will say like, "Uh, what's your what's your favorite comic book movie?" Well, it's probably Avengers. Well, uh, you're wrong. It's The Dark Knight. It, it should it be put, The Dark Knight. It put Batman in uh, a real world situation where you know these things can't really happen, but it made it believable. Everything in that movie was believable or believable enough. That car, the Batmobile, the Tumbler, that thing actually jumped six feet in the air. So when they were jumping over rooftops. They built 10-foot-tall streets so they could actually jump it over with the camera angle. And they did the rest with miniatures that that thing actually jumps. The motorcycle, there was one guy who could drive it because it was so hard to drive because they had to build it to actually do the cool stuff it does in the movie. Everyone else who rode on it could not get it to stand up. And Hathaway, when she's on it uh, in The Dark Knight Rises, it's being pulled on a pulley because she couldn't keep the balance on it. It was too big for her. So any anytime you see someone driving it, it's either on a pulley or it's a stuntman in a bat suit. Yeah, the thing about the Dark Knight, and really the <laughs> thing about Christopher Nolan movies in general, and this is where I think he gets the proper amount of credit. Um, his scores, he gets people to make great scores for his movies. The sound is usually on point, a plus plus. Um, the shots are intentional. There's beautiful cinematography. There's a reason why. His movies are up for so many technical awards, and this is where he gets a lot of credit because he's technically excellent. If you want to, like from a film class, film critique, camera angles, blocking, spacing, uh, framing, anything like that, you can teach a class off of what he does. But the concepts that he goes with are so accessible. He did a Batman trilogy. Um interstellar inception uh what it is is he's taking highbrow film concepts and putting it with mainstream acting and story appeal that allows you to experience something that you know instead of watching a three-hour drama about a oil investor and his nervous breakdown and drinking habit to get this wonderful movie. You instead get to watch, you know, a guy go into outer space and it's really, it's really satisfying in that way. I think that's why he gets a lot of credit and also why he gets some critique is because there's some people who don't like how mainstream he's bringing really quality film. Um, They want to kind of protect that for whatever reason they have for that. And then on the flip side of it, the appeal is that you can watch a movie about Batman, but then you're also watching a movie that is filmed and structured and technically brilliant. Well, I just think, like, this movie would be... The thing on Dark Knight, and 
I just wanted to go back to this is that the movie would be a really good movie, even if it wasn't like about Batman, you know, this is like, this is a, would be a good story about like a, you know, like a psychopathic serial killer and the city's trying to stop him. Right. Like if it was just, instead of Batman, that character was like, are you ready? Mr. Michael, Policeman? Michael B. Jordan playing a <laughs> cop. Right. You know what I mean? Yes. And it, it would be still be a really good movie. So I, I think that's kind of the beauty of every single one of his movies. There's something else um, that he's digging at a, a different like emotion or idea. And um, that's, that's kind of what makes his movie so great to me. Um, also, Memento is one of the most overrated movies of all time. Just that's gonna, also true. Just gonna throw, if you watch, just gonna, this, just gonna throw that stinger on there to make. Have you guys hate seen me. the following? Uh, no. Mm-mm. Okay, so that is I'd call that the original Memento because when you watch it, you're like, ah, oh, there's a twist. Like it's that it's that kind of twist, and that's uh, Memento sets you up for that pretty well. Yeah. It's a Memento is a fine movie. Memento is it's a well, not the greatest movie. It's a well crafted movie, but I just don't think that there's and there's good performances and the movie is really well crafted, but there's just not enough going on there for me to like. I think it's it's it. it Memento is a film that does a thing, and the thing that it does is another thing that I want. Yeah, it's it's like there. It, it tries to make you feel. It tries to be smarter than it actually is. If you think about it too much, the illusion kind of falls apart. It's not bad. Don't get me wrong. It's just. It's not five stars, which is what a lot of people, I think, give it. All right. That's, uh, that's all we got for you today. Uh, tell us your favorite Christopher Nolan movie in, on, uh, on Twitter or wherever, and uh, we'll see you next week. Go Hawks. <laughs>